What's up, everybody? It's Matthew West here, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Matthew West. Matthew just released a book called The God Who Stays. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. So the other day in Port Chester, New York, there was a a little bit of a uh, a mess up. There were several live lizards that were wrongly delivered to a residence in um, New York. Um, needless to say, the people who actually got the package was very surprised. Um, but the, they called the police. Um, on Saturday, and they were basically just like, hey, there's some lizards in this container. We don't know what to do with them. Uh, Police came and figured it out. It was sent to the wrong place, and then they pulled the animals to a local sanctuary. But could you imagine getting a package in the mail, opening up, and there's some live creatures inside i feel like that's how like movies start out right like (laughs) like a jurassic park sequel or something it would come out like that like some baby dinosaurs got shipped to the wrong place how many lizards were there um i think it said three there was three dark three yeah three and you can order lizards in the mail amazon has that can overnight them (laughs) i i don't know if it's amazon but uh the police made a a post that said if you lost your lizards and iguanas we have them at the police department (laughs) (laughs) wow special to lizardly well not funny (laughs) dad joke alert (laughs) failed dad joke right there (laughs) I was going to say something about the scaly situation or something, but I went with that one instead. <laughs> so recently chatted with Matthew West. We got to meeting him at the K-Love Awards. And um, Jesse, you got to actually uh, speak with him at the K-Love Awards, interview him. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool dude. Yeah, and it was good to follow up and catch up with him again. Um in our interview with him and just hear a little bit more about his book writing process and what God took him through in that journey. And um, yeah, so let's get into the interview with Matthew West. So Matthew, thank you once again for taking the time and chatting with us today. You're welcome. No, thank you. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) You guys busted me as you started talking to me. I was drinking my, um, my iced coffee thing today. It is so hot in Nashville and, uh, I try to like uh, cool off and caffeinate at the same time. So sorry for my delayed response. It's awesome to be with you guys. We got to meet at the Kalo Fan Awards, and you gave yes. me your—I think you gave me your business card, like tr- the true yeah. professionals you are. <laughs> yeah, we did. Speaking of Kalo, uh, so you won Male Vocalist of the Year. Congratulations on that. Thank. And you. so we are a podcast uh, by Christian music fans for Christian music fans. And one of our listeners reached out uh, to us, and they had a question for you. Uh, T.W. from Nashville wants to know, why did it take you seven years to win Male Vocalist of the Year? And why, in your acceptance speech, you called him out saying, take that torn? <laughs> oh, oh, so it's T.W.? It's the T.W. T.W. from Nashville. T.W. from Nashville. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, I love that. Yeah. So um, I did feel a little bit like um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like I uh, <laughs> I think I was nominated like maybe 10 years in a row and never won. So th- so imagine my surprise, like, you know, after a certain amount of time, you 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 learn to say, like, obviously, it's just an honor to be nominated. Right. That's the right answer. And uh, but I'm the host of this show and I'm so stressed out by the by the hosting duties. Right. So I'm backstage. I'm, you know, the teleprompter went down. My, 
you know, I'm worrying, I'm, I'm working on my script and I'm all these things are in my brain. So the last thing on my mind was the actual award categories that I was nominated in. And right. they rushed into my dressing room and said, you got to get the stage. Go, go, go. And I thought I missed a cue that I was supposed mm. to be out introducing something. Right. That's literally how far removed the idea of me winning an award was from my mind. And when I got to the side of the stage that they rushed me to, all the crew and tech started smiling and cheering and they were like, you won. And I mean, so my response, uh, and I'm sure it may, it maybe was the same once I got backstage and met you guys. I was just, I don't know if we, I don't know if we met before I won or after, but it was, it was, after. I, was I was really just in disbelief because I did not expect that. And that was the funniest part was when you're in host mode, you're kind of in like comedian mode. And then all of a sudden right. you're winning an award and, especially at, at Christian music award shows, like in the other genres, people just say whatever they want. But like in Christian music, like the award speech needs to be like a small three point sermon, right? Like it's gotta be like a <laughs> devotional takeaway in country right. music. They'll, you know, rascal flats would win. And they'd say, we want to thank our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ and our sponsor Coors Light. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And then they'd say, woohoo. Thank y'all. But in Christian music, it's different. And so I got the award and I'm standing there and I'm just so speechless. And all of a sudden, the only thing I could think to say was, take that, Torin Wells. <laughs> <laughs> because he was my co-host that night and we already had this kind of running gag. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just what maybe that revealed like a sinful spirit inside of me that I, <laughs> that I was hoping to keep hidden. The spirit of competition. <laughs> well, you know, I, I joked with my brothers. I said, you know, in seven years when we win podcast of the year, I think what I'll say is take that, Matthew West. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, you got my vote, man. That is awesome. <laughs> no, it was a fun night, man. It was, uh, you know, those award shows are always fun. Um, there's, But you know what? What am I saying? It wasn't a fun night. It was a stressful night for me. But, uh, but by the end, it was nice and it was fun to be able to celebrate with my team. And, you know, mm -hmm. and you know what makes that so special? You guys know this, that that particular award show is a fan voted award show. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so the people out there that, that make up your podcast, the people, you know what I mean? You told me how you guys started your podcast. So people who are out there who have been ministered to by Christian music, who love the genre, who listen to it, and then they let their voices be heard and um you know I'm, i was blown away to receive that honor this year yeah well matthew so i'd like to know because i've i think my brother's heard you talk about this before but i haven't uh how'd you get your start in music like i knew i know you grew up in church but how'd you kind of you know stumble into professional uh christian artist yeah i'm a i'm a preacher's kid and you know music was always a, a pretty played a major role in you know life at the church right and we i grew up in a small church too so it wasn't like we had you know an abundance of worship team members like today's mega churches you know where uh it was just like you you had your pick of the litter it was you know if you grew up in the church and you could get anywhere near an instrument you know you might be getting the call to duty right um yeah. Or you or you might be needing to uh, shovel the sidewalk before the church service begins, you know, in the wintertime. So it was all hands on deck for a pastor's family and a small church growing up in the uh, suburbs of Chicago. Um, my passions as a kid leaned way more heavily towards sports of all kinds. I mean, growing up in Chicago, I was in the, you know, obviously the outskirts of, of the city of Chicago, growing up cheering for the Chicago Cubs during the baseball season, the Chicago Bears during the football season, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan during the basketball season. And so, you know, that was my life basically had three seasons, football, baseball and basketball season. And I had all my uniforms for each season. And that was my passion. And so I think um, growing up, I, I got fooled into thinking that maybe I was a good enough baseball player specifically that I might have a future in it and that I could be um you know, drafted or at least get a scholarship. My senior year of high school, the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper published a, a list on the back page of the sports section of the top college prospects. And um, my name was at the top of the list for first mm -hmm. baseman. And so, man, I really thought that was, you know, 
that was it, man. I got my ticket punched and that was what was going to happen. And scouts would come to our games, but they weren't there to see me. I thought they were, but they weren't. And uh, I didn't get a single scholarship. I didn't get drafted. And that door closed right in my face pretty abruptly. It was at that point that um, my parents were always there reminding me like, hey, Matthew, it's great that you're a dreamer and we want to support your dreams. But don't ever forget that like God's dream for you is way bigger than you could ever dream for yourself. And, and I, I just remember like there was a time where I finally started going, well, maybe mom and dad uh, aren't so dumb. You know what I mean? Like when you're growing up and you think, you know, everything, but that was a moment where I was like, okay, maybe mom and dad are right. And what is God trying to tell me? What does he have for me? And I began to discover people all along my life, uh, all along the course of my life. And my story had been speaking to a gifting that I had in music and I just wasn't paying attention. When mm -hmm. I began to pay attention to that affirmation along the way, I began to step towards music and away from baseball. And uh, that that's the very like origin story. We, we live in a world right now that's obsessed with origin stories. Right, we? yeah, a prequel. Yeah, and so I, I think that's like the very origin. Obviously, so much life took place after that decision to begin pursuing music, right. so much rejection took place, so many detours and, uh, you know, really began my career. I studied music for four years and then uh, began my career in Nashville behind the scenes, writing songs for other artists. Wow. And you still do quite a bit of that, right? Writing for with other people, for other people, correct? Yeah, I sort of have, I was going to say I have two careers, but these days I feel like I have like five or six. <laughs> I, don't know what I, I don't know what I'm doing. Send help. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I, I thought when I moved to Nashville, well, here's the crazy thing. So I studied music for four years. And at one point in my college uh, tenure, somebody at the school who I didn't really know called me into their office. They worked in admissions and uh, they said, Hey, we've heard your music. We've heard you play songs around campus. I would play like fraternity houses and stuff like that. And they said, there's some people who want to remain anonymous that think you're really talented. And they want to give you an opportunity to be discovered. Hmm. And I said, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, there's this thing that takes place in Colorado every summer. It doesn't anymore, but it used to. It was called the uh, Christian Seminar of the Rockies or something like that. It yeah, was, we've, uh, we've had other people talk to us about that before. Yeah, so it was a big thing put on by the Gospel Music Association where all these industry professionals would go to Estes Park, Colorado for a week, and then you could pay to go and enter your songs in like songwriting competitions. There was a talent competition. It was kind of like a, you know, sort of a, a week of like an American Idol kind of thing, right? Sure. You could get, you know, tutoring and I mean, they could teach you and things like that as well. So publishers and heads of record labels and a lot of people have been discovered at this thing. Well, these people who I didn't know wanted to fly me out to this and pay my way to go to this seminar. And I felt really weird about that because like what strings attached? I just felt weird right. to me. And I called my dad and I said, what do I do? And he said, he's like, this seems like something that the Lord's opening up for you to do. You need to walk through this. And and so I got on a plane and some strangers paid my way to get to Colorado and I entered into this contest and I wound up like making it to the finals and meeting this lady who would later become my my first music publisher. And two weeks before I graduated from college, I was offered a songwriting contract. So, I mean, it was crazy. I got in my car, moved straight to Nashville with a songwriting agreement. And uh, that's how I began my career, writing songs for other artists while I tried to get a record deal myself. Mm -hmm. And all these years later, I got that record deal, but I never stopped writing songs for other artists. And right. um, I, I got to say, I love that as much as any other creative expression that I get to have in my life. Being a part of other artists' creative processes um, is so much fun. It is so much fun. That's awesome. Wow. Awesome. So... Matthew, one of our favorite songs by you is one of your newest singles, Me on Your Mind. And uh, I believe you sang it at the the Caleb Awards. But can you tell us the story behind that song? Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys like that song. Thank you. I, I think um, during the pandemic, I had I would take these walks with my wife. And um, when we could get my daughters to join us, we would kind of institute mandatory family walks and I had been mulling this idea over in my mind uh, for a while, but the first time I spoke it into existence was on a walk with my wife. And I was like, you know, 
Well, I was thinking about how there's been several experiences over the last couple of years where I feel like God has gone out of his way to get his to get my attention and let me know that he's mindful of me. Like the Psalm says, you know, what is man that you are mindful of, of them, human mm -hmm. beings that you care for them. And there's just been some moments like I think about March 12, 2020, I was in Trenton, New Jersey. The world was shutting down. We were in an arena. The concert was getting canceled. The, the city was going on lockdown. I booked a flight to try to get home before they shut the airports down. And I get in an Uber car. I get in an Uber in the back seat. And on my drive to the airport, I'm having a panic attack in the back seat. And mm. a song comes on the radio and it's my song. And it was a song called The God Who Stays. And the Uber driver happened to know every word. And he was singing right along with it, every word. And I'll never forget that moment because like what took place on that hour long drive to the airport and my conversation with Arthur, the Uber driver, which by the way, wound up inspiring a whole new book that's coming out in September called the God mm -hmm. who stays. But mm -hmm. th those were moments where I was like, it felt like God was finding me that needle in a haystack and saying, my child, I'm, w I'm with you. I know you're panicking right now. I know you're on the way to the airport. I know you think the world's going crazy. I know you're worried about your family's safety. I know you're wondering what you're going to do with all these concerts canceled. I know you're wondering how you're going to provide for your team, but I am with you. And, and he does it in such interesting and unique and fascinating. In that case, he used my own song to remind mm. me that he was thinking of me. How cool is yeah. that, right? <laughs> in the backseat of an Uber. And so... I had been thinking about that concept, like, what is man, what am I, who am I, God, that you are mindful of me? And on a walk with my wife, I was like, hey, what do you think about this idea? I was thinking about how, like, like, what if, you know, like, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, but how often we forget that you could put in that word world your name, like, Jesse, Jacob, for God so loved Matthew, for mm -hmm. God so loved Emily. And I started telling my wife that, and I was looking straight ahead as we were walking. And all of a sudden I looked at her and she was bawling. And she was like, when he was on the cross, like I was on his mind, like these, mm, these wow. ideas of that. It was like, wow. Okay. And so that's when she's like, you have to write that. You have to write that. And, uh, that's really what, what made me sit down and, uh, and chase after it. We were writing it on, I took it in on a day when I was actually writing a song for another artist named Ann Wilson. And she has a bit of a country style. And uh, yeah. and so I, I was leaning into my sort of southern side of things musically. Mm -hmm. We had just finished writing a song. We were about to leave. But I had to write that song that day. And I said, guys, I just need you to like, hang with me for a few more minutes because this song's coming out. It was almost like the, uh, you know, the, the, the expectant mother who, who was not expecting the baby to come. It is like, you know, give, giving birth in the Walmart aisle seven or something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but it felt like that in the writing room was like, I, this song's coming out. Like, I got to write this song, you know, whether we're ready or not. And uh, it, it's a song that means a whole lot to me. It just every time I sing it, it kind of makes me cry, you know? Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, you, you that story, you had to have your song sung to you. And God, God used your words uh, to get to your heart. And I think, you know, God does that often. I, I, in my life, it comes through uh, being a father. I'll say something to my kid, and God uses those words. And immediately in my heart, I'll say something to my son, like you know, hey, bring correction or whatever it is. And God will just be like, "That's what I've been telling you," you know. And it's like, "Oh, you're using my words against me or for me," and then that's awesome. And you actually share and you hit on it. Your book that's coming out, God Who Stays. Uh, you talk about that story in your book and your book's coming out uh, in September, September 6th, I believe. So being busy, I mean, you kind of talked about having five jobs. You've got a lot going on, family man. Uh, you're involved in ministry. You've got music. You're now writing um, author, book writer to your, uh, to your task list. Uh, why write a book? Uh, what's your hope for people who read this book? Well, years ago, my mom kind of she spoke something to me that has you know wound up being true which you know um 
none of us should be surprised when our moms are right about things, right? And and maybe that's a theme of today's conversation with you guys. Maybe I should call my mom and dad after this and thank them. But <laughs> yeah, but my, my mom, she just said, you know, I, I she said, I see that you have a gift for words, and I feel like the Lord's showing me that someday you're not just going to be writing three minute songs, but you're going to be writing books too, and uh, God's going to use you to speak to people that way. And you know, at the time. I was a doubter of that because I, you know, all I saw when I thought of books, I thought, well, what was my grade point average? And, you know, I'm not going to say any mm-hmm. numbers, but let's just let's just uh, <laughs> ain't, think of the lowest number. And it's a little lower than that. So, I'm not good with numbers. Yeah. So I reminded my wife of my I reminded my mother of what my grade point average was. And I was like, that's not I'm not going to write books someday. You got to be a scholar. You got to blah, blah, blah. And uh, but lo and behold, you know, as the years progressed, I started feeling this desire to unpack the messages that were packed into these little three minute songs, you know, because music is a wonderful form of expression, but it's a very specific form as well. And you can only say so much. And maybe that's the beauty of it is trying to say so much with so little space and time right. and syllables. And, and by the way, try to make it rhyme. And try to make it catchy, right? <laughs> um, but I would get to the end of a song or a season where a song was on the radio and feel like I had much more to say about that, or more importantly, that that God wanted me to say more and unpack that in a more devotional form. So maybe that's the preacher's kid in me that's coming out, uh, whatever it may be. I started to reach for that and have ideas to write books. And so um, you know, that's what prompted me to do that, and that's what I'm doing now. And it's so exciting just to realize I, I think uh, there's an old song I heard called, and it was it was called Erasers on Pencils, and it was it was talking about like that's what erasers on pencils were for, and the premise was about the mistakes that are made in life, you know. But I look mm-hmm. at that in terms of the borders that I tend to draw around how I think God is going to use my life, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we draw these boxes, and I, I've learned to draw them in pencil. Um, because God is going to completely blow my mind and expand my horizons and say, you know what, here's the reality. And the pandemic right. taught me this and was that our God is not a one dimensional God and neither are the things he creates. And so, you know, whether it was launching a podcast of my own in the, in the pandemic or writing a book or writing a song with another artist or whatever, or, or getting up on stage and hosting an award show and being yeah. a goofball just to bring a smile to people's faces, like, mm-hmm. I'm not shying away from anything. If that's something that the Lord wants me to do, I'm going to step towards it. So I'm really excited about this book, The God Who Stays. Um, like like you said, it it started with that inspiration of the Uber driver. Uh, Arthur was his name. And uh, it just became a really powerful experience, a chapter-by-chapter reminder of all of the ways God stays faithful, stays patient, stays loving. Yeah. He stays with us uh, when when we're hurting. When he stays for the party. That's one of my favorite chapters. It talks about mm. how, um, you know, the celebrations in our life, like his presence during that. So a lot of, a lot of good stuff in that book that I, I really believe is going to encourage some people. Matthew, you talk about in your book, um, you know, you've um, experienced some cancel culture with you, uh, you had a song that came out, Modest is Hottest, and our family loved that song. And I told my wife, my kids would sing it all the time. And, and uh, I told my wife, I said, man, I said, I love this song, but there's going to be some crazy people that will not like this. And sure enough, <laughs> Matthew West got canceled. <laughs> so yeah. can you can you talk about that and talk about the lessons learned um, about God in this in this uh, you know situation? Yeah, I'm 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 glad you asked that question. Um I've I've never shied away from talking about it either. I think a lot of times when we face uncomfortable situations or find ourselves as Christians in the line of fire, we might want to just quickly get past whatever that crisis at hand was and pretend it never happened. I I will say I was I was eager to quickly get past it. But with with the gift of time and perspective, I'm also eager to speak about it. Um, because, um, it was the heartbeat of that song was, it's kind of like I talked about being a goofy host, like making people laugh. That's a tool in my toolbox. Like that's something that the Lord's, um, equipped me to do and something that I used to run away from. Like, 
the humor side of what I do. Because I think sometimes even in Christian music, there was pressure in the past years to be like more of a brooding rock star, like and like it's not cool to be goofy. It's not cool. To, you know what I mean? And so I always like kind of shied away from that part of my artistry. But at the end of the day, like I love making people laugh. Like I want to my goal is to connect with the audience. And I do that by humor and I do that by heart. And so I always say like humor plus heart equals connection. Like that's, that's kind of like my little artist, like that's my personal mm. mission. Right. And, um, yeah. mm -hmm. and most, and not connecting me to the artist, but connecting the artist or connecting the audience to, to God, that's the goal, right. not connection to me. Um, and so out of the desire to be willing to even be goofy, it was just, I would write some funny songs from time to time and people started to like them and they started to go viral. And especially during a hard time where we had a lot more reasons to cry than to laugh. Right. Mm -hmm. So this song modest is hottest. I decided I'm, I'm going to release this on father's day or near father's day. And it's a song for all the dads who are uh, having a hard time raising their daughters and scared of, you know, scared of daughters growing up and boys coming around and all those things. And it was clearly, in jest it was clearly right. a joke sure uh, i mean i'm trying to convince my daughters that turtlenecks are 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 the new trend right right and it right. was it was just clearly satire you wouldn't try to win song of the year or anything oh heck no and <laughs> but just people came out of the woodwork and it's funny jacob that you said you could you could tell that i was going to get some people coming after me i it never even crossed my mind i was just yeah. my intentions were so were innocent and i just right i did not realize that i was stepping into a hot button topic and maybe that's maybe i was culturally unaware and and should have been more aware but everything that was happening with like the southern bass baptist world and people coining this phrase purity culture and mm. it just got mm. ugly in a hurry and i quickly felt like my whole career was was coming to an end and um that was a def difficult path at the end of the day I chose to pull the song down and then I got more criticism from Christians saying that mm. I was a coward, that I caved to the woke mob, all of that stuff. And, you know, to that, then I felt like I was disappointing everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway that I learned about God was, you know what? Humor, heart equals connect. My desire has always been to connect to people. But somewhere along the way, I think I got fooled into thinking uh, that my audience was in front of me. And as much as I love connecting with people, as much as I don't want to make enemies, I have an audience of one. And mm -hmm. and I think that experience really reminded me like, Lord, all I care is that you're proud of me. Help me navigate this. And none of us are going to bat a thousand. And so my decision to pull that song was because people were being brutally ugly and all of a sudden my daughters were in the line of fire mm -hmm. and ironically a song about mm -hmm. protecting my daughters had exposed my daughters yeah. mm -hmm. to vile hatred i mean the, the kind and, and this is ironically from a world that preaches inclusion can we just can we notice the irony here right yeah. like our world is all we're craving inclusion they're shoving inclusion down your throat and then they are the first ones to throw stones at you mm -hmm. yeah. if they disagree with what you're saying. And so right. uh, I couldn't I couldn't please anybody in that situation. I still love that song. But at the end of the day, I said, Lord, I want to I want to be about kingdom business. And if this is going to distract in any way, I got to protect my daughters as a dad. And I want to move on and and point people to Jesus and not be a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of Back in Easter, um, I was playing some Easter music to my kids, and, and they said, Daddy, we have a good Easter song. And they started playing Gobble Gobble. And I'm like, it's Easter, y'all. And they're like, oh, but we love this song. And they're singing your Thanksgiving song at Easter. So there you go. Well, maybe I need an Easter. Maybe I need to write a version of Gobble Gobble for Easter. Or maybe you need to teach your kids what ho which holidays are right. what. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> That's probably but, the thing. But I will say, like, he hear me say loudly and proudly, I still think modest is hottest. I still will, at, as long as my daughters are in my house and as long as I get the chance to speak into their lives, I will tell them that they do not have to flaunt their bodies on TikTok to a Cardi B mm -hmm. song. Absolutely. 
in order to get love and affection. That is not the kind of love and affection that that we need in our lives. And and so I will at every turn point my daughters towards modesty in the spirit of know your worth and know where it's found. Know what God says about you and that's where you discover who you are. And uh you know, look, our message is if if Christian music's message doesn't fly in the face of culture, then what the heck are we doing? So I want to I want to be strong in that message, even though I've taken that song down for the reasons I already shared with you. It doesn't mean that I don't believe yeah. what I believe. Right, right. You get it. So, Matthew, you hit on this a little bit a few minutes ago, but you were talking about uh, just kind of the difference between writing a song uh, and writing uh, a book. So you've been telling stories through songs for years now. And what was that transition? What is the transition like to go from writing something where someone's going to sit down with your words for three to four minutes, as opposed to a book where they might sit down with your words for a month? Like, how do you approach that differently? Well, a lot of songwriting is um, community driven too, right? It's collaborative a lot of times. And so um, I've gone through seasons where I'll feel called to write every song by myself. And that's a rewarding experience. But then a lot of times the pendulum will swing and I'll seek out like creative collaboration with other writers who I think can stretch me musically and different things because I never Mm. want to cover the same ground twice sonically or lyrically. Right. Um, I usually know where I want to go lyrically. And then I usually try to bring in collaborators who will push me musically because I, I want my records to continually progress. Right. Um, when it comes to writing a book, it's a very isolating experience. And that's probably the part that is the hardest. And I think it's, it's difficult in the same way that it's difficult for us to have personal quiet times and to really, um, the reason why most human beings struggle with silence and solitude. And, uh, there, there's a discomfort there because you're, you're wrestling, you know what I mean? You're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're quiet and you're when you're quiet, you're faced with the reality of who you are and you're faced with the voices that you hear in your head. And um, and yet I've learned through even like my own experience, having vocal cord surgery and being unable to speak like I've learned the discomfort of silence, but also mm-hmm. the reward of it when you can get through it. And so right. I, I find the writing of the books to be that challenge to fight through the discomfort of solitude and really get to the heart of the matter and then i've also discovered like on this book the god who stays i really wanted to try on a collaborative um approach for the first time even in writing a book because i thought okay what if i can make writing this next book feel like it was writing a song you know Mm -hmm. what would that be like and especially since it's a book inspired by the heartbeat of a song and so i found a really great author who um works with a lot of authors like me and I said, hey, I'm not I, I'm not looking for a ghostwriter because I write my own stuff, but I am looking for somebody to help strengthen me in areas where like just like I need a producer to push me musically. I want mm-hmm. you to push me thematically. I want you to push sure. me scripturally. I want you to. And so it wound up being a really his name's Matt as well. And we wound up kind of collaborating over the phone and on zoom throughout the pandemic and this this book came about like really like no other book i gotta say too i just finished recording the audiobook and that to me was a really special experience because i actually sing throughout the book and so like when i when i reference a hymn i sing the lyrics to the hymn no, and that's it's, cool. it's just awesome. like a different kind of experience so I'm, I'm excited for people to check that out as well matthew one of your songs your one of your older songs only grace really ministered to me at a time in my life where my wife and I went through some things at our old church, a lot of church hurt, um, you know, a church that we were in ministry together with. And so we experienced grace really in ministry for one of the first times in our lives after we left and, you know, heard that song and bawling in our car and everything. So, uh, you know, what is grace to you? You, you have it in a lot of your songs, uh, you sing about it and it's in your books. And so can you tell us, uh, you know, the, about the common theme of grace in your, in your materials? Well, common theme is, is spot on. Um, thank you for sharing that about your experience with that song. That's one of my, <clears throat> I feel like I've been around long enough to have 
you know, maybe songs that are considered oldies, but goodies, um, <laughs> you know, uh, this is one of your old songs. Matthew. I will say like, if somebody would have told me, Hey, you're going to be, you're going to be, um, in music industry long enough to where you'll have songs that were number one that you don't play in your set anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you're insane. Like that is <laughs> what? So I, I think, and I only say that just to say, like, when you mention a song like that, like, I'm like, gosh, I need to play that in my show again. I haven't played that in a minute. That's a song that's very <laughs> special to me as well. And one of the things I'll say, too, before I answer your question, is I love it when somebody shares, like, how a song like that, inspired by my story, stepped into their story. And, like, how God did for you what he did for me in the backseat of that Uber, that's pretty cool. And something tells me that's kind of a heartbeat of why you're doing mm-hmm. a podcast about Christian music, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Because you've experienced the power of that. And, and Absolutely. that's why I was excited to be on with you guys. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's three things that I've written down in my journal many years ago that still ring true in my approach to my craft. And that is I write songs about what I know I need, what I know I don't deserve and what gives me hope to wake up every single morning. And uh, the answer to all three of those is that word grace. And so you're going to see that word in a lot of my songs. There's a song of mine called broken things. And it talks about, it says, if I'm just, you know, I'm just a beggar in the presence of a King. I wish I could bring so much more. But if it's true that you use broken things, then here I am, Lord, I'm all yours. It's the premise of the idea of just going like, gosh, how many times does the enemy make me feel like I belong outside the gates, you know? But the the song says, you know, grace is a kingdom with gates open wide. And there's a seat at the table just waiting for you. So come on inside. The list goes on. I sing, you know, uh, there's a war between guilt and grace and they're fighting for a sacred space. But I'm living proof that grace wins every time. So I want to write victory anthems. That's what I feel called. I want to write these victory anthems for people to stand up and realize that the best is not behind them. The best is ahead of them. And that's because of scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. Amazing grace is the song I sing. So uh, the list goes on. And uh, if I get to the end of my musical career, and that's the word that I've sung more than any other word, um, you know, and by saying the word grace, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the name of Jesus, of course, and uh, and the grace that we find uh, in the sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross. So that's 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 what I'm about. That's what I want to always be about. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Right on. Hey, Matthew, as we uh, begin to land this plane, we'd like to know if you'd be willing to do a little lightning round question with us where we're going to ask you a quick question and uh, just whatever comes to your uh, your mind first. Let's go. Okay. All right. So uh, what is your favorite food? Steak, hands down. Give me a, a fillet. That's a, a, a how do you like it medium. cooked? Yeah, mediums. I, I need to right on. Yeah, so any veg, any vegans out there, just close your ears for a second. But uh, I'll eat I'll eat steak all day long if my wife will let me. Don't get canceled saying that. No, I know, I know. Uh oh, uh oh. Modest is hottest, and steak <laughs> is greatest. What is your favorite movie? Well, it's Rocky one, two, three, four, and five. All <laughs> awesome. right, the collective <laughs> and Dumb uh, and Dumber. You... I like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yes. Do you have a uh, favorite show to binge? Oh, um, well, I mean, The Office is kind of like, you know. See, we I knew we liked you. It's much better than that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not always appropriate, but it's like there's just. The humor in that show is just it's so Amazing. well written. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the cringe comedy. I also like um you know, I, I watch a lot of sports. If I'm watching TV, like I'll I usually have a baseball game on during the summer, mm-hmm. like in the background. Even when I'm like working on my podcast or whatever, I'll have the TV on in the background and I can scoot over and see what the score of the baseball game is. Chicago sports, right? Chicago, yeah. Chicago or if sport. I like a lot of times I'll travel and I'll get to do a concert at another stadium or something. And I'll like 
that day I'll cheer for that team. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> so um, who's your favorite artist of all time? Recording artist of all time? Yeah, do you have one? <sighs> that is just... That's from Torn Wells. He'd like to. I mean, TW would like <laughs> to know that. Actually, that's the that's the question from TW. No, TW for real. Oh. I'm with you. Um, gosh, I mean, well, obviously, I'm going to point to Christian music. Um, that's what this podcast is all about. I have different favorite artists in different genres, of course. You know, like I mean, Garth Brooks in country music was like. Mm. I mean, I think he's what you know. He picked great songs and things like that. Um, in Christian music. I I guess I'm going to have to say it's like a tie between Toby and Stephen Curtis. Right on. In terms of like impact in my life as a young oh, yeah. person. I love Stephen Curtis. It's I used to copy yeah, his I hairstyle mean, when I was little. <laughs> yeah, I was called into ministry at a Stephen Curtis show, you know, and like awesome. and I went and saw DC Talk like as a young kid, they were opening for Carmen. And uh, I mean, gosh, like I saw shows that like I used to call into the Christian radio station. One time I called in to win a contest and I won. I got I was like the 10th caller and I got tickets to a Charlie Peacock show. Mm. Um, yeah, I saw I saw um, who else did I see as a kid? Petra mm -hmm. Striper. Nice, nice. Whiteheart. Um I oh, mean, that's like the soundtrack of our childhood, man. Yeah, like Ray Bolts. Remember him? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yep, yep, yep. And uh, <laughs> I'm to think of who else. One of my favorites was For Him Growing Up. Oh. Where there is faith. Yeah. yeah there is a voice calling. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, man. In fact, I, I had a number one song that I wrote for Andy Chrisman, who did a solo record one year. And that was like one of my first songs that I wrote for somebody else. And awesome. he was on, I never had a song recorded by for him, but I wrote a song. I wrote songs for point of grace. Uh, I mean, it was like crazy. Like back in the day, um, Salvador, you remember that band? Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Rachel Lampa. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those we had her on a few first, weeks ago. Uh, fun fact though. First song I ever wrote that was recorded by another artist was recorded by, an artist who was famous in Las Vegas. He had his own theater in Las Vegas. Wayne Newton. He was worth. No, his name was Danny Gans. Okay. Look him up. Danny Gans was a famous impressionist who had found his faith and decided he wanted to make a Christian album. Awesome. So word Records signed him and he was, uh, he was on, so he had, but they custom built a theater for him at the Mirage. Like he sold wow. out every night. Like he had like a multi-million dollar contract. And so he picked my song. It was a song called Be Strong. And it was going to be his radio single. And I was like, this is amazing. My career's uh. taking off. And then I heard his version of the song. And it was like, evidently he was a master impressionist, but nobody really asked what he sounded like when he was using his normal voice <laughs> yeah right. and it sounded like have you ever heard tom jones mm. oh yeah like from it was like it's not unusual to be loved <laughs> by anyone <laughs> like and he took my song that was basically like a stephen curtis ripoff song sure. and he made it sound like tom jones singing a stephen curtis oh, song i was crushed i was like this is the worst <laughs> I, it was terrible but uh, then what else I found out is that when he you make a record in Vegas, it's like the mafia. So you like you never there was never any royalty like you never knew if anything. It was the strangest mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. anyways, fun fact. That's for and fun fact. I've had not one song recorded by a Vegas entertainer, but two. And now, there's another artist in Vegas. Take right that now, torn. Ter ter <laughs> Terry Fader. Terry Fader, the winner of America's Got Talent. Okay. Yeah. He recorded a, a song I wrote called It Starts Tonight. And oh, he invited awesome. me to his show in Vegas. I, wow. I took my wife. I said, hey, honey, we're going to his show. And she said, what are we going? I said, it's a puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, we got to go backstage at this theater and, like, meet this guy. I didn't even know who he was. And all of a sudden, I look on, and he's like, oh, he won America's Got Talent. And he's got his own theater. I'm like, so I don't know what it is about Vegas entertainers yeah singing songs i wrote but well, it's kind of fun what's your favorite ice cream flavor 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, any ice cream flavor is my favorite, but I love mint chocolate chip. I love um, I love peanut butter ice creams. And then I, my favorite is Jenny's ice cream. Uh, it's called ooey gooey butter cake. And it'll Ooh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, Put all the my favorite words into one ice cream flavor. Ooey gooey butter cake. Sounds amazing. So um, being on the Christian Music Guys podcast, Matthew, what is your favorite podcast to listen to? There's this podcast. It's called the Matthew West podcast, and it'll rock your world. That's right. No, nice. I, I'm a huge fan. Excuse me. I, I was trying to say it without laughing. No, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the Christian Music Guys podcast. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Be sure to tune in and leave a review if you would, guys. Five stars is what they prefer. Am I right? Yeah, that's what yeah we say of course. <laughs> you know what I always forget? It's like to you've do? done this before. I forget to tell people who listen to my show to review it. Do they actually do that when you tell them to? You know, sometimes it, here's the thing. Our brother that's not with us today, he's the marketing guy, and he's the one that's always like, oh, you forgot to say this. And we're like, oh, sorry. Plus, is there is there only one platform where you can actually do that, anyways? Because I don't think Apple. Apple's Apple, the only right? like you can't do that on Spotify, right? Mm-mm. You can make stars yeah. on on Spotify, but no no reviews or anything like that. Oh, but you can do stars on Spotify. Hmm. Trying to think, yeah. I gotta see if people. Now I'm looking to see if people like my podcast. Now you got me all insecure. <laughs> oh, no. that, that was not our intention. <laughs> oh, 4.9 is pretty good. Yeah. That's like a five, yeah. right? 4.9 out of 5, yeah. If it was out of 10, it'd be a problem. But So, Matthew, what's your, what's your favorite Bible verse? Today? Yeah, sure, today. Uh, <laughs> last hour? I would say... Um, well, last night I was in a I was in a vehicle with a runner who was taking me from a show to my hotel at the airport, and we were talking about this. And I was talking about Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, and how often we focus on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is a wonderful promise that God knows he, the plans He has for us, plans to prosper, not to harm us, plans to give us a hope in a future. But then two verses later, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I think that's that's to me. I don't know that just like uh, we love twenty nine eleven and the promise that he has a plan. But two verses later, he's telling us how to discover that plan by stopping our search for the plan and beginning our search for him with all of our hearts. And it, mm-hmm. it, it echoes the refrain of Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So um, I think that's what I want to be about. You know, I don't get that right. Too many times I'm chasing my own plan and then I'm seeking God's stamp of approval for my plan and uh, trying to be reminded of the invitation to seek him and find him when I seek him with all my heart. And the promise in that is it says you will seek me and find me when you do this. Right. So it's not like you will seek me and you might find me. You might not. It's like we will find him and where we find him, we find life to the fullest. Yeah, it's a promise. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, every time we have a guest on, we kind of have, this is kind of our version of the blue couch moment. Uh, But wrapping up, we'd like to see, uh, if you'd be willing to share something that God's been doing in your life recently uh, that would help encourage and build up our listeners' faith. Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think I, um, if I could encourage your listeners with something, it would be this. I've Lately, I've been feeling like, we've talked, we joked about how I kind of have five different careers. And I think in doing that, I haven't given myself much margin and I've been feeling like I was putting it on my heart to, to give, to create more space. And, uh, somehow in the midst of all my craziness, like what, what, what do I need to say no to right now in order to create some space? And I I don't do that. Well, I'm, I'm confessing this. I'm not bragging about this, Mm -hmm. but I specifically I was supposed to do a fall tour of like 30 some shows and I just I didn't have a piece about it 
And so I cut the whole thing in half and just created some margin and some space and um, have trying to be more intentional about some things like that. And what's interesting, the reason why I tell you that is because in the process of creating space in some areas of my life, I've wound up realizing that it's opened me up uh, availability wise to see other things that I would have missed that God had in store for me because I would have over planned, over strategized and over scheduled my life. So I'm actually talking to you right now. It's um, right on the heels of because I was available, I got a call from a festival and they said our headliner is sick and we need somebody to fill in. And two hours later, I was on a plane and I told him I don't have my band or crew or anything. Everybody's off because we're supposed to be off. Mm-hmm. But I got on stage with my guitar in front of like 10,000 people. Mm. And in like, I wouldn't have been able like, and it wound up being one of the most beautiful concert experiences of my life. Now, awesome. I, I'm, I'm still like, my ears are still ringing from it. But I, uh, I just think like, oh, so that's why I said no to the other thing. Yeah, I, right. didn't, I didn't know until this day why I was supposed to be available so that this could happen. And I mean, God, we always the cliche is always that the devil's in the details. Man, that's such a lie, because like that's what the whole message of me on your mind is, is that God is in the details like he's in it. He is he's orchestrating in ways that we can't even imagine. And when we step towards him, we mm-hmm. get to take part in these beautiful stories that he's yeah. writing. And uh, so pretty cool stuff. So I I think my encouragement would just be like, what does Psalm 4610 say? Be still, right? Mm -hmm. Another translation says cease striving. And so whatever that means for anybody out there, um, ask the Lord what that needs to mean for you. And how could you create some more margin to make sure that you're paying attention and seeking him with all your heart? Matthew, where can people pick up a copy of your new book, The God Who Stays? Uh, gosh, MatthewWest.com. Uh, there's a pre-order uh, available there. You can get it wherever you want, though. You can pre-order it. Most people buy it on Amazon right now. So mm-hmm. um, you can pre-order on Amazon. Just type in Matthew West, the God who stays. I'm super excited about the book. Check out the audio book when it comes out in September. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really unique experience. I listen to a lot of audio books myself. Maybe that's why I'm so excited about that version of it. But um, yeah, MatthewWest.com has... You know, there's a podcast link where you can find all the episodes. There's uh, music, tour, um, book, all the things. So uh, it's been fun hanging with you guys, though, man. Let's do this again. Let's have me check in again. We'll talk about the latest in Christian music or we'll revisit some of the old school stuff, too. Um, Yeah. Hey, we love that, too. I got lots of stories, too, that we didn't even get into. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Another another time. time. (laughs) Well, thanks, Matthew, for taking the time with us today. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks again, Matthew, for taking the time with us. Be sure to rate and review our podcast. We are a listener-supported podcast. You can find out more about becoming a part financially at christianmusicguys.com. Thanks again. See you next week.